Last Sunday we had our, our special Thanksgiving and gift day where we thought about the need to raise you know, the, the additional funds to complete the renovation of this magnificent uh, building. And I was preaching last Sunday. I have to think, I thought it was a pretty hard gig. The, the first time I preached to the morning congregation here at All Souls and I have to preach about money and giving. But then Charlie said, I want you to preach for the next two Sundays as well. And you've got a free hand uh, what you preach on. And I thought, in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's continue to think about money and giving. Because actually this is such a significant uh, issue for our generation. Uh, we live in a materialistic culture whose values constantly impinge on our thinking. Uh, we talk about money the whole time. We talk about the cost of things, whether the good value or whether the bad value, whether we can afford things or whether uh, we can't. But I'm not sure we talk with the same frequency and conviction about God's attitude to wealth and money and our responsibility in this area as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, last week, we looked at the end of Mark chapter 12 and Jesus' teaching on this subject as he commends uh, the, the widow as she uh, gave at the temple treasury. This week and next week, we're looking at the Apostle Paul's extensive teaching on this subject in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. So we're looking at the first bit of 2 Corinthians 8 this morning. Do, uh, why not come prepared next time, having rest, the rest of chapter 8 and chapter 9. And uh, let's just bow our heads now to pray as we ask for God's help as we come to look at his word together. Heavenly Father, by your spirit, please speak to our minds and our hearts and change us so that we may reflect your generous giving heart. For we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let me give you a little bit of a a background about these uh, chapters. About 10 years before this letter was written, there had been a severe famine which had particularly hit the the Christians in Jerusalem who were also undergoing a lot of persecution from their kind of fellow uh, countrymen. And Paul had been keen that the the churches that he'd helped to plant in the kind of Gentile world supported the Christian churches in Jerusalem and Judea. Now, initially, the church at Corinth had been very enthusiastic about the project. But as we saw in that reading, they hadn't seen it through. And so what Paul is doing in these two chapters is to gently instruct the Corinthian church about how and why they should give. And what Paul does is he begins by setting before them the wonderful example of the churches in Macedonia. And as we look at these uh, opening 15 verses, we're going to look at four principles of Christian giving. And just to reassure you, you, we're going to spend most of our time on the first one, and then the final three uh, more quickly. And the first principle is this. It's quite a surprise. Christian giving, actually, is the result of a supernatural work of God. Look at verse 1. 
And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, in the Bible, the word grace always has behind it the idea of something undeserved. Uh, You can't win grace or buy grace or deserve grace. All you can do is to receive it. Now, we'll actually never understand Christian giving, as opposed to other types of giving, unless we see it in the context of the free gift of God's grace. In verse 1, Paul talks about the grace of God given to the Macedonian churches, which enabled them to be generous givers. And then in verse 6, Paul urges the Corinthian church to complete this, this act of grace, referring uh, to the collection uh, for the saints in Jerusalem. And then in verse 7, he urges them to excel in this grace of giving. So Christian giving involves a transference of grace. God's grace comes into our lives and then moves us to share that grace with other people. So the ability to give Christianly actually is a charismatic gift. It's a gift of God's grace. And the Macedonian church excelled in this gift. And they showed that it was a work of God because they gave in a supernatural way. And in verses 2 to 4, Paul describes actually this supernatural giving. And I think as we go through it, you will see that it is. It is supernatural. This is not the way that people naturally give. It's not the way we naturally think about giving. First, they gave out of the most severe trial. Uh, when you're going through a, a, a trial, it tends to kind of fill your horizons, doesn't it? So that all that you can think about is the, the problem which is just consuming you. That is what you normally say. Naturally, they would, would say, look, look, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I've, we've just got enough problems on our own to battle with. We're in no position to worry about other people. But the supernatural grace of God was at work in them so that they didn't do that. Actually, they gave. Second, they, they gave out of extreme poverty. And sometimes you hear of a very rich person giving away large sums of money, and some people respond with sour grapes. They have only been generous because they can afford to be generous. Can I say that is a terrible attitude to have to rich people who give? We need to be very thankful to God for wealthy philanthropists like Bill Gates, who gives generously to good causes that they need to give, but they do. But the giving of the Macedonians was of a completely different order. Because their rich generosity flowed out of their extreme poverty. They weren't wealthy. They were students on grants. They were on the minimum wage. They were on income support. Their rich generosity was supernatural. And third, the Macedonians also gave beyond their ability. Verse 3, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Once people 
begin this grace of giving, they're often amazed over how much they were able to give away. At my last church, um, uh, shortly after I arrived back in uh, 2004, we, we had to raise over a million pounds to begin the upgrade of our church site. The first bit was the, the parish halls and another church building. And one um, member of uh, St. Mary's Maidenhead, who was already giving generously to the church's ministry, took a deep breath and set up an additional standing order. I have no idea how much it was for. I never know who gives, uh, never knew, you know, who gives or how much. But I do know this person gave generously because halfway through the project, he came up to me with such joy and said, Will, look, it has been amazing. So I increased my giving substantially and I thought it was going to be a real struggle. But actually, it's been fine. <laughs> and I'm sure I learned that lesson. He continued to give more and more. See, he, he thought he was going to give beyond what he could give and discovered the joy, joy in that. I've never forgotten his reaction. He just came up. He was like a ticker bounding up with me halfway through the project. He just said, it's been amazing. And then finally, the, the Macedonians gave out a spontaneous joy. Look at verse 2. You don't normally put those three together, do you? Severe trial, overflowing joy, and extreme poverty. Nor does verse 4 normally happen. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Again, that is supernatural, isn't it? It's not normal. William Wilberforce once said, generosity is not generosity until it damages the luxury of our lives. I think that many of us would agree with that. Sacrificial giving is not really sacrificial until it hurts. But for the Macedonian Christians, it was hurting them not to give. They were pleading to give. And isn't it lovely when it's that way around, isn't it? I mean, there is a, a place to encourage people to, to, to give, but it's so much better when, like the Macedonians, people, God's people, are preemptive. Look, I, I would like to set up a standing order. How do I go about it? It's actually, I think, embarrassing when churches have to make special appeals for funds just to, to keep going and are constantly embarking on kind of fundraising activities. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be necessary. Sometimes it is, when there's like a big project. Yeah, of course. Paul hadn't made an appeal to the Macedonians. Rather, they had did the appealing. Although they were extremely poor, they didn't beg for money. They begged to be allowed to give. And that is supernatural. Some people give at the tip level. They give the small change of what is left over. Some give at the entertainment level. They, they pay as they go, like you do when you go to the cinema. Some people give at the emotional level, uh, when they feel like it or are moved. But the Macedonians gave out of the grace of God working in them, which meant that they gave out of the most severe trial and extreme poverty 
They gave beyond their means and they gave with spontaneous joy. That is supernatural, isn't it? <laughs> so that's the first principle of Christian giving we learn from this passage. Uh, uh, Christian giving at its best is a supernatural work of God's grace in people's lives. The second principle is this. Christian giving is the evidence of an earnest love for Christ. So verse uh, 6. So, so we urge Titus, just as he'd earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace in your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in completed earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. You see, in complete contrast to the Macedonian church, the church in Corinth hadn't continued to give, even though the assumption is that they were much better off than their Macedonian counterparts. See, the Corinthian church taught a good game. They made all the kind of the, the right the right noises and had made a start, but they hadn't completed their collection. Words needed to be backed up by action. And for the Apostle Paul, the attitude of these folk in Corinth to this collection was actually a a good barometer of how sincere the professed love for Jesus was. And sadly, it seems that they came up short. See, Paul doesn't command them to give, which I suppose as as an apostle of Jesus Christ, he, he, he could have. But rather, as the skilled pastor he is, he is wanting them to see for themselves, actually, how weak their love for Jesus was. But he had no so such worry about the churches in Macedonia. Uh, look, at, look at verse 5. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord... And then by the will of God also to us. You see, the, the giving of the Macedonians, just, it was just the visible evidence that they had first given themselves to God. Now we have to be careful here because some people give money as a sort of a substitute. They give money rather than giving themselves actually to the Lord Jesus. For some, it's, it's much easier to set up a standing order and writing a check rather than giving themselves to others in time, hospitality, energy, concern. But that wasn't true of the Macedonians. Their love for Jesus overflowed. It was, it was the wellspring of their, their generosity. They hadn't just given money, they'd given themselves to the Lord Jesus. That's, that's where it'd come from. To coin some words from the marriage service, it's as if they had said to Jesus, all that I am, I give to you, and all that I have, I share with you. And it's because they had done that that they were so generous to Paul and to others. And what Paul does is to hold them up as an example But he does that to the Corinthians to challenge them about their giving and and their heart attitude. 
I suspect that's what the Holy Spirit (laughs) is doing with us, isn't he, this morning, as God's word comes to us. And through this word from 2 Corinthians, he's asking us that question. Is our attitude to giving Macedonian or Corinthian? But look how Paul continues in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And so we come to the third principle. I imagine actually this is the heart of it all, isn't it? Christian giving is motivated, is fueled by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it is in our Lord Jesus Christ that we see the, the grace that gives in its perfection. He was rich. <laughs> I mean, all the resources of heaven belong to him. All the attributes of God belong to the Lord Jesus. From eternity, he had always been equal to the Father. He had always enjoyed the worship of the angels. Yet he became poor. Uh, the, 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 the God who flung stars into space entered the, the womb of Mary. He was born into total poverty in Bethlehem. He suffered. He was crucified. No one was ever richer. No one ever became poorer. Why? So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And if we have come to the Lord Jesus Christ, just think for a moment what riches he has bestowed upon us. There we were, alienated from God, facing a life of meaningless death, Judgment, hell. And what has he done? He has freely saved us and given us a life of friendship with God. So whoever we are, whatever we've done, we can, we can call God Father and know that we're accepted by him and loved by him. He's given us a life of purpose and meaning. We know what, what life's about. We have a direction. And we have this glorious hope of living with God in renewed creation. Where there'll be no sadness, no suffering, no pain. All the, the misery of this life will be God. Instead, we will see God face to face and we will just be basking in his glory. That is what he's done for us. That's what he's given us. What motivated the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Nothing in us. No good thing we had done. Nothing we would do in the future. It wasn't because he saw some potential in us. It sprang from within himself. His love. His desire to honor and bring glory to the Father. 
He just wanted us to give us that grace. Friends, if there's any of us here who hasn't come to the Lord Jesus Christ, this is where we need to begin. This is where it all begins. We need to understand his grace, his kindness, his good, his love, his generosity towards us. And let it overwhelm us. And we need to receive from him the gift of his spirit. This is where it all begins. So if there are some of us here who are still kind of confused about Christianity and just don't really understand it, look, do, do make the use of this um, Hope Explore course, which is starting uh, next week. So whilst we're meeting as a church, it'll be going on just behind me here in the, in the vestry at 9.30. A really great opportunity just to ask questions and explore. So please do that. And, you know, over in that corner, um, uh, there'll be, uh, uh, Rico will be there to tell you more about it. And for those of us who have come to the Lord Jesus Christ, this is, this is where it all continues, isn't it? So the, the, the motivation to give and to be generous, it doesn't come from appeals. It doesn't come from being made to feel guilty. It, it just comes from understanding all that God has given us. Everything we have actually is his. And it comes from gratitude to Jesus for who he is and all that he's done for us. And if you're conscious that uh, when it comes to this issue of giving, that you just feel that, that, that tug and that pull, and you, just, you know that this, the money has got a grip on you. This whole materialistic culture in which we live has got a grip on you. And I think it's got a grip on all of us in, to, to some degree, isn't it? Well, then what should we do? Well, we just cry out to the Lord to change us. To do that supernatural work in us. See, we'll never be generous, joyful givers like the Macedonians unless God's grace is working through us. But God's grace is available to all of us through Jesus. We just need to only ask him for it. And then finally, we see that uh, Christian giving is measured by the attitude in the heart rather than the amount given. So verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. God's uh, criterion of acceptable giving is not based on wealth, but on willingness. God doesn't measure gifts by size, but according to what each person has. Some may feel that their giving is insignificant because it's not big enough, but no giving is insignificant to God. And we thought about that, didn't we, last week, when we looked at the story of the widow's might. I mean, if we'd been there, like the disciples, we most probably would have noticed and been quite impressed by the large amounts given by the, the rich people. The few coins of the widow wouldn't have caused us a second thought. But to Jesus, it meant more than all the others. I tell you the truth. He said, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. And the apostle uh, Paul, like the Lord Jesus Christ, is much more interested in the attitude of the heart rather than the amount. Can I say, uh, I, I, I suspect it's one of the reasons why we don't take an offering during services. 
We don't want people to feel that they must give here and now just because a collection plate is being handed round. And when people haven't thought about giving before a collection, they, they probably don't give willingly according to their means. <laughs> Instead, they give slightly grudgingly according to what they've got in their pocket in the wallet or the purse at that time. Friends, this issue of money and giving is a crucial part of our Christian discipleship. As Jesus said, you can't love both God and money. You can't serve two masters. And I want to suggest that at least once a year, every single one of us, whoever we are, if we're claiming the name uh, Christian, we need to sit down and before God assess the state of our finances and prayerfully decide on the basis of, of what God has given us what we're able to pass on to others. So if you don't have much money and the amount you're able to give is very small, don't worry. But start and begin this grace of giving. It is a blessing. I'm going to be thinking so much more about that next week. So come back. Make sure you're here to listen to next week because there is great blessing in giving. And we're going to be looking at some of the motivations, more motivations for giving next week. And verse 12 reminds us that if the willingness is there, whatever we give is acceptable God according to what we have and not according to what we don't have. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for our sakes he became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich. Please, in your mercy and grace, work that same spirit of generosity in us, that we might be cheerful givers like those Macedonians, for your praise and glory. Amen.